What is up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we are coming at you each and every week with a fresh service to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of our conversation today? I'm Alicia Battaglia in the host seat, and joining us to my right is Mark Francis, our worship leader and event productions Hi. manager. Yeah. Yes. Our, I haven't had an introduction like that. Well, we're the, we're the host Sorry. trifecta this I don't, I, I don't I introduce have, you that wonderfully. There's not many people that know what I do anyway. I know the job title attached to it, but yeah. Well, I have it written down, and I also I have uh, the official title of uh, the the sermon giver of the week. Uh, Sounds pretty unofficial to me. <laughs> student ministry director, <laughs> Caleb Pearson. Thank you for having me, Alicia. Oh, thanks for Boy, being here, guys. Well, you wear a sweatshirt like that. It's going to be unofficial. That's yes. true. I never know what you're going to wear yeah. to this thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? We well, don't we don't dress sharp often on the podcast. It's, but it's a comfy it's, it's a comfy Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> very good. Very good. Well, uh it's great to be here and uh have conversation uh, about the weekend and um let's just dive in. We were in back in Acts, which was super great to um, dive into chapter six, verses one through seven. Um, Mark Francis, I'll come your way. Let's have your thoughts and yeah. maybe a little recap of what uh, Caleb talked about. Yeah, you're right, Acts six. And it's been three, four weeks since we've been in Acts, so it's good to get back. Mm -hmm. But just looking at the, this passage of verse one through seven, seven. Mm -hmm. yep. and um, it's just a little miniature story of where the church is at with the specific need of um, Hellenistic Jews and, you know, not receiving food. They're being overlooked. So how did God use the apostles, the disciples to kind of just figure out how to solve that problem? And you can easily overlook this passage. Mm -hmm. And so I love how we do go through progressively one verse at a time. Because if we were going to say, oh, let's study the book of Acts and go through it in eight weeks, you wouldn't really touch on this passage. Right. Hmm. But what we see here is God at work. What we see is how the Holy Spirit led these men to figure out how to solve a problem and then see the church unite around mm -hmm. that problem with unity. And it's really cool. Because it's, it's a little bit of a a supplement or an addendum to Acts 2 of the early church. And, and you, you preached on that too, Caleb, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So yeah. you're getting this kind of church body life kind of commentary. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I love how, how you broke it down, and we can dive into it more, but how it came on the heels of the week of prayer and the, the mm -hmm. weekend of prayer for that corporate time last week where it was, let's launch into prayer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, as I pre-read the passages before the sermon happens, I'm like, all right, is Caleb going to touch on this? And you go, you go a good 5, 10, 15 minutes in, and you kind of touch on it. And I'm like, oh, is he going to get there? And then bam, comes in. Yep, there's prayer right away, how yeah. the disciples were seeking God and how are they going to best discern how to solve a problem in the church. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love how it, it basically shows a picture and a model of a proper church leadership life mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. and how we can look to not just solve a problem, but take care of the people, have care for each other, and then a call for us, how are we responding with that? Yeah. You know? So yeah. I, I love that. It was a very real picture of what church life is like with imperfect people because problems do arise. 
uh, people do get neglected and overlooked. And I'm sure in this situation with the, the cultural issues, the barrier mm-hmm. of language, uh, there was probably some um, major disparities there. And there were some things that were being neglected. One, the widows were being neglected. And then two, there was the problem of if the apostles were going to be the ones to feed them, then here the word of God and prayer would be neglected. And so we're in this uh, conundrum of how do we, you know, how is this going to get solved? And and I love how um, by choosing these seven men, they... um, they didn't disparage the situation, but they delegated in a way that brought unity. And so I just see this beautiful picture of unity in these seven verses. Mm-hmm. And then verse seven is such an encouragement to see, okay, God is building his church, regardless of um, what complaints and concerns come up. God is going to build his church. And Caleb, you did such a great job uh, bringing that out uh, in this passage. Yeah, such a a pivotal moment for the church, right? And mm-hmm. and there's a scenario in which we could we could read something like this, and it could say, "So the twelve dropped everything they were doing, yep, to go feed the the widows." And 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 we could read something like that and be like, "Good on for good that. Yeah, that would have been awesome. an honorable thing <laughs> awesome. to do." So then the question is, what did they drop? Yeah, they dropped what they were doing. What were they doing? And so instead, to see them get to that point, Mark, you alluded to it. But we will devote ourselves to prayer mm-hmm. and to the ministry of the word. Uh, it was fun to preach through this passage contextually for where we were at with the church with the break of the John three sixteen and the Christmas story because yeah. I was I was bringing us back to the sermon series and it had been a while since we really dove back into it. I'm glad you did that mm-hmm. because I was thinking to myself, this is a picture of the triumph of the gospel. And I was like, is Caleb going to get to that also? Y- yeah, yes. yeah, bam, yes, yes. You did. so yeah, fit it in. But Thank I you. asked Mark like a, a couple weeks ago. I was like, so you're doing you're starting the new year with prayer. Are you touching Acts much? And he, you know, he said a little bit, but not really. I'll be bringing us back to it. So, it was fun to do that after he focused so much on prayer, because mm-hmm. now we see a living, breathing example of them doing that exact same thing. Yeah. But also taking great care to make sure the problem would be solved as well. And mm-hmm. so, I wanted to, you know, hit on the prayer, let the text speak for itself. But uh, one thing I, I wanted to say for the podcast, which we can get into whenever you'd like to, Alicia, is to elaborate on the priests a little bit, because I felt like there's time to explain the heart posture of the 12 mm-hmm. or the vivid history and the current state of affairs regarding priesthood yeah. in the New Testament. So this weekend, I chose to focus on the heart posture mm-hmm. of the 12, because I have read this before with people in peer groups, especially people my age. It can kind of come across as as leader laziness if you're not thinking mm-hmm. rightly about it, or like Mark, you said at the beginning yeah. of the podcast, if you read it quickly, yeah. you're moving yeah. on, and it yeah. kind of seems yeah. like the the holy wizards are not interested. Or all they're going to do is, oh, we are above all you right. people. We're mm-hmm. just going to pray and it, give attention it, it, to the word. It comes across as... Yes. I'm reading Leviticus. You're going to go feed the widows. Right. And and so it's kind of like, wait, what? Is that really where we're at? And so yeah. to, to help clarify the heart posture of the 12 and why this was such a critical moment of the church to, to make sure it's not going to be the elite few mm-hmm. that are the answer men, but that, that as we're growing... The word disciple no longer means what it used to mean. Now it's a believer. Is the the disciples were conti- continuously growing in number. Yeah. So this is a, and that's a result of it too, because you can see how the unity of the Spirit leading mm-hmm. them and guiding them produced this word of God keeps spreading 
mm-hmm. as a result of that decision of their prayerful decision of we're not going to do this ourselves. We're right. going to delegate. We're going to right. bring on new people in the body to use their gifts in a way that will be more beneficial than if we did it ourselves. And that's why I appreciate all the teams here that that helped contribute to the focus, the triumph of the gospel, and really just how large scale the book of Acts is. Because when it says 12, it's not referring to disciples anymore. We're so programmed to think that because of the gospels. Oh, the 12 disciples, the 12 disciples. Now mm-hmm. we're at the 12 apostles, the yeah. 12 right. teachers. Right. Yeah. The word disciple now means the exact same thing we use it Everyone. for now. Everyone. It's right. the number of disciples continued to increase greatly. And so right. that number is yep. pretty big. Mm-hmm. And so you think that's the congregation they brought together to help figure out what's happening. It's mm-hmm. such a, a fresh picture of the church. And I think such an encouragement to us that Again, there are biblical examples of imperfection yeah. in God's growing church. And somebody it in our that community early. group last night shared, and I like to refer this to our group, so thank you for our community group for giving us the sermon spotlight prep, mm-hmm. but how this is a biblical model. You know, God mm-hmm. instilled delegation and leadership development over mm-hmm. the years through Moses. Mm-hmm. God used it, it, what Jesus did when mm-hmm. he approached problems and and. He didn't take care of everything himself. He delegated amongst the disciples. And so here they are now, several weeks later, and they're probably thinking to themselves, oh, Jesus modeled this as well for Mm -hmm. us and and called us to action. And here we need to now grow disciples and call Mm -hmm. others into action. So there's this kind of historical perspective of what that looks like, that they were seeking God's will in that situation Mm -hmm. to be led by the Spirit, Mm -hmm. to then allow others to be used by God to, Which I think in this way, to empower you, people. That's exactly right, in that they were being led by the Spirit. And you can see that the Spirit's work is happening here because the w- when they decided what to do, mm-hmm. it pleased the whole gathering. There, and that, there was unity I know verse that. 7 is so good. Mm. The three things that happen are so incredible. First of all, let me just read this to you real quick. If yes. if we just looked at 6 verse 1 and verse 7, here's what it says. Mm-hmm. Now at this time, while the disciples were increasing in number, that's the context. And then the verse 7, the end of the passage, the word of God kept on spreading. The number of disciples increased greatly, and even the priests became obedient. If I were to ask you, what, what do you think happened between those two sentences? You, you would have said something magical yeah. must yes. have happened, something so beautiful <laughs> and so wonderful. Wow, the church was going well. It kept going well. And so then to see the jolt of a complaint arose, and, and that's not a formal a formal complaint to the, the 12. This is a slow-burning criticism mm-hmm. and complaint being arisen between people and people mm-hmm. to see what could have... What could, what could that have meant and right. for division to grow as quickly as the gospel was? It could have happened. And what didn't. division could have done uh-huh. to them. Right. Mm-hmm. If they weren't walking in the Spirit, if they weren't seeking God mm-hmm. and their fleshly nature kind of just mm-hmm. came into existence and they started to have more dissensions and more factions and right. there's been church splits over worse things than this yeah. way yeah. Yeah. way worse so yeah so yeah. you look at it and yeah and some something else somebody said in our community group last night was just look at all the potential negatives that could have happened mm-hmm. and it didn't and so mm-hmm. you're right caleb you look at that verse seven and through this the word of God continued to mm-hmm. keep spreading. Right. And the numbers yeah. were increasing. Which is the overall uh, impact and point. But I'm still telling you, verse five stands out to me so much that the statement found approval with the whole congregation. Yeah. yeah. Like, what are, the, what, are, what are the odds of that? Philippians 2, right. uh, verse 13 says, For it is God who works in you both mm-hmm. to will and to work for his good pleasure. And that is what we see here is the Holy Spirit working um, for his good pleasure. But then the next verse, 
in verse 14 says, do all things without grumbling or questioning. Mm -hmm. And and that like, how applicable is that Mm -hmm. in this scenario of like, so let's bring that to real life here. So when we are seeing needs arise, you, you, brought out the obstacles and you kept um, emphasizing uh, for those who are focused on division, they're obstacles. And that's where the grumbling and the complaining can happen. But for those who are focused on unity, Mm -hmm. that's where we see it as the opportunity. And um, not only just seeing it as an opportunity, but an opportunity for faith. And you brought that out. And um, it's a trusting God, reliance on the Holy Spirit issue um, that we all are responsible for. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not it's, just it's a reliance on God as we participate thing. in the local church, not not the other way around. Right. And one of the strengths to expositional preaching is letting the text speak for itself, not just during the passage I have on this weekend, but I, I also had to say, okay, am I gonna am I gonna share Stephen's story mm. in in the Acts will do that. Right. What, what's right. coming up it's next, coming. It, it, it's all part of the story. And so I can't imagine coming across a passage like this as a one-off Sunday morning at you know, some random church service without it being a part of a sermon series or the, mm-hmm. the big picture, because I don't, need to, I don't need to explain to you everything about Stephen and what's getting ready to happen to him, because we will cover that. Right. So the question is, what what is there to to glean from this passage, and was there anything that if I had more time or, or we had time, we could have done? And and I, I believe I got to the point in my preparation where I could have tried, but I felt like I wouldn't have done it justice in the sermon, so, so I wanted to bring hit, it here. So let's hit that verse verse seven um, where it does bring out a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. We know that right. this is significant because why the say priests, it? Why say it? <laughs> yeah, the priests yeah. are in opposition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so wait, what? Yeah. This that is, is not on, random, right? That is on the same significance caliber as two other things, the word of God spreading and disciples increasing in number. So to to specify it there means that is a huge, mm-hmm. a huge change and shift there. I had a, a gentleman come up to me after the first service and he said, he said, I want you to know that you have caused me uh, to meditate on something. Uh, and then he said, but it's not what you wanted me to. <laughs> and I was like, what? Okay. Well, what, 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 what is it? What? And he said, uh, he's watching through the chosen, the, mm-hmm. the TV show of Jesus mm-hmm. and his story. And he said, he's right now, I guess is season three and the episodes are dealing with conflicts with the priests. And so he said to watch that now, knowing that people like that eventually become obedient in the mm. faith mm. is an encouragement to him as he's watching it. And I just thought that was so interesting because mm. that's the one thing I really didn't hit on was the significance of priests becoming obedient to the faith. So the question really is, what's the deal with the priests? Uh, I have a, a resource here from Crossway. A lot of these words will not be my uh, my own, but there's such a context in the Bible of, of priests and Old Testament priesthood as it transitions in, into New Testament priesthood. It's a very unique kind of ever-changing thing. So we know priests were, were holy leaders in the Old Testament. They, they served in temples. They did sacrifices. They were able to enter the holy place, and there'd be a holy of holies that they were able to go to, very much acting on behalf as a mediary between man and God. And so Exodus 28 uh, describes these priests and gives us an Old Testament framework, uh, which is what they would all be familiar with. These priests were clothed in beautiful apparel uh, that matched the glory of the tabernacle. They were stationed in between God and man. They were d- derived from from the sons of Aaron received the privileged position to draw near to God. So throughout the Old Testament, 
drawing near to God was priestly, had priestly connotations to it. In Deuteronomy, then, Moses outlines the service of the priests, specifically the Levites, focusing on the priests. And so he says they begin to apply sacrifices, uh, they teach the covenant people, and they ultimately purify the house of God, and they communicate the blessings of God. Very noble, very holy, these priests, right? First Samuel 2 starts to detail the fact that these priests are unfaithful. They fall short. Israel's history and, and overall trajectory is tied to those imperfections as well. And so in general priesthood in the Bible, it has to do with, with the story of Israel's priesthood being a dishonor and, and Israel's story meriting the need of a savior. So uh, big picture of all this, and then we'll get to the passage itself. That, that, that's the foundation of priests. And here's the big picture, the fulfillment of all these promises, what God has been doing and demonstrating through broken priests. It comes into focus in the life, death, and, resur- and, and exaltation, rather, of Jesus Christ, right? So Jesus enters the world in humiliation and obscurity, but his priestly glory is veiled. Moreover, as a law-keeping son of Judah, he cannot be the high priest under the Old Covenant definition of that. But as the New Testament unfolds, his priesthood reflects his perfect sonship, and his perfect sonship proves the superiority of his priesthood. Mm -hmm. And so that is going to come to fruition, especially in the book of Hebrews. If you want to know about priests, ultimately about priests, go to the book of Hebrews. That's where I'm going right now. So coming uh, with some questions already. Yeah, yeah. So Hebrews 5 recounts this. Jesus' high priesthood is established by his sonship. Hebrews 7, Jesus is a high priest after the order of Melchizedek, who is given the right to sit at God's hand. In short, Jesus' greater priesthood ratifies a new and better covenant. Hebrews says a guarantor of a better covenant. There's even a heading in many translations of the Bible for Hebrews 2 and 3. It says, Jesus, comma, greater than Moses. And Moses was the guy given priest clarity in the yeah. Old Testament. So you start to see that priesthood is so imperfect and shattered in the Old Testament, so perfected in every way in the New Testament. But here we are in the middle in Acts 6. And so, Mark, I'll come to you here in a second. What is happening in this particular point in time with the growth of the church is there's the Sanhedrin. This is a group comprised of priests, elders, and scribes. What ha- what has already happened between uh, us and them, so to speak, between the growing church and the Sanhedrin? In Acts 4, it details this. These people, these priests, elders, and scribes, they arrested Peter and John because the Sadducees didn't like that they preached the resurrection of the dead. That right. rubbed them the wrong way officially. Peter and John firmly explained that they're still not going to stop preaching. Mm-hmm. So we covered that in Acts 4, mm-hmm. uh, 1 through 22. So what happened then in Acts 5? Well, the, the jealous Sanhedrin arrested many, if not all, the apostles. And we know God sent an angel for them to escape. They returned to the temple to preach that Jesus had risen. The temple guards escorted the apostles back to the Sanhedrin. So this time they're not being dragged violently. They're just being escorted back. Uh, The apostles went peacefully and again said they would not follow the restrictions against their preaching. The Sanhedrin would beat them but release them. The apostles would ultimately rejoice. This is the end of Acts 5, so we're getting close. We are counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And now is the passage we covered this past weekend. So now the Bible specifies some of these priests, many of whom probably witnessed the trials of these men and, and the Sanhedrin, they come to a saving faith in Jesus. They, they believe it to be true. They reckon it true for themselves. Maybe they're convicted of what they did to Jesus because they're doing the same thing to his followers. Maybe they see the confidence 
and freedom uh, of Peter and the others who, who fled uh, or who, who had fled when Jesus was arrested. And so that stubbornness is starting to turn a corner for the people that have been persecuting and to think about their religious background and to think about what's going to be written in the book of Hebrews about Jesus being the ultimate priest, it's totally worth mentioning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and all it's I... It's just not... God's word just... It, 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 know, it, with the foreshadowing, before Hebrews is even written, before yeah. any of that stuff is ever written, there, here's, here's Luke just through God's inspiration mm-hmm. realizing, oh, it's important to right. say that. And you can't you can't <laughs> neglect this topic if if you're you're preaching it. You want to do the text justice. You can't not talk about the priests, and right. so because not all of the priests, right? Come to Some faith of the priests we're are going to read and imagine, on. Imagine, imagine what that six. imagine what that was like right. to be one of the priests going. Uh oh! <laughs> I think I believe this stuff. Well, you know? and now all right. of a sudden yeah. they're just one of everyone else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. There's something yeah. about the unity of the body to mm-hmm. share that they are now no longer higher above anyone else mm-hmm. because we know Hebrews says mm-hmm. that Jesus is our great high priest. Right. And he is now the one who's interceding mm-hmm. on us. Mm-hmm. We don't need the, the priesthood the, anymore. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're humble enough to come to that point and that it's being pointed out that they are part of the body, right. the church right yeah. there. Right. And I'm really sure cool. that the witness of the church, what was happening in the church, also played a role in um, leading them to faith as well. Mm-hmm. It's the pre- the preaching of the word mm-hmm. obviously mm-hmm. was primary. They believed the gospel mm-hmm. and came to faith, but surely they were witnessing what God was doing among the believers, which also has power. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that with this passage right here, just how we see God using the care, the congregational care for these widows of, okay, we need, we need people, we need deacons, we mm-hmm. need um, specific gifts to, mm-hmm. for this area. Mm-hmm. And First Corinthians that, 12, Romans 12. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And so um, for the priest to be witnessing, wait a minute, mm-hmm. this looks so different than how the law operates. Yeah. You, know? you have the Sanhedrin, which is just a remnant of the way things used to be. I mean, you think about how things have always gone through for the religious, the Sadducees, the, the no, this is how it's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And so for this to be a, a tipping point for that to where, and this weekend I alluded to two emphases for the, the priests. One is they are on the receiving end of ministry mm-hmm. in the book of Acts. That is worth noting mm-hmm. that the religious leaders mm-hmm. are on on the receiving end of Christ's ministry. It's very important, especially yeah. when, especially in how we think of Old Testament tradition now, because we can copy and paste some stuff that used to be the way things work when we think right. about whatever. And, and what did Jesus do? How did he fit into and fulfill that and allow God's Breaking spirit to down operate? The and then the second that, thing yeah. is the priests were stubborn. There are a lot of passages that speak to that. So who... How can the application for us then be even the most stubborn people in our lives? How can they begin to see the fruit of our labor? Mm-hmm. How can we create an avenue for whoever in our life has such a rigid way of thinking? It's always how they've been doing it. You wouldn't even spend energy trying to convert them. You just hope they don't put you in prison, right? That's what they're thinking. But they start becoming obedient to the mm-hmm. faith. That's the power of the spirit. You can't look at them negatively because yeah. God instilled that method of yeah. of communing with God for a reason. Exactly. And, and you go to First Peter two, which many of you guys might know this passage. But you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood mm-hmm. to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
So there's that unity of like, we're setting, God is setting up this priesthood to then show us Jesus is the ultimate high priest. Right. To then insert this little phrase in Acts 6 of priests are coming to faith. Mm-hmm. And then further down, we realize that we are now this holy priesthood. Oh, yeah. That is through it's Jesus massive. Christ that we are presenting the sacrifices. And so mm-hmm. yeah. that is where the context of mm-hmm. body life comes into play and that we are all doing this together. And, and the fact that they're collaborating, that it's being mentioned that they're in that same category early on in the church is really cool. And by the way, there's a subliminal application there to the priest becoming obedient. And it's not just a fun FYI. Oh, cool. Even the religious leaders of the day eventually became obedient. That's worth knowing. But the subliminal application is our faithfulness to Jesus can be uh, a strong beacon to others, even if we failed him in the past. Mm -hmm. Uh, Those priests of anybody that quote unquote shouldn't belong or would never be able to whatever, turn to the Lord, they did. They became obedient. And that's incredible. They're part of the body of Christ. They're up there right now. It's a posture of humility that um, they had to um, disrobe themselves of their priestly um, posterity and pride. Get over your own self. It is the the severity of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of people that that maybe it's not as simple as, well, yeah, I was actively teaching against Christ's word. Like that's a priestly mishap in the Bible. But we have a lot of people that, that struggle with, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not turning to that. I, right. I'm, dude, I don't want to give up what I currently have. I don't want to give up do what that. I currently have yeah. or the guilt and shame or this, whatever social connotation, but the gospel is not bound by that. And mm-hmm. you can become a beacon and an encouragement to others yeah. for people to look at you and think one thing. If they think Christ now, glory to God for that. Mm-hmm. Well, you use yeah. the word participation a lot, mm-hmm. which I appreciate as well, because that's also a part of, in this passage, the triumph of the gospel, to see the priests then even do that and yeah. how they're participating. And it, and it reminds me, I mean, that word is biblical, looking at Philippians 1, mm-hmm. where it, Paul is you know, thanking the church in Philippi, and he says, in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now, um, I'm mm-hmm. confident of this very thing that he began a good work and you will perfect it until the day of Christ. There's He's praying and always offering prayer with every joy in view of your participation of the mm-hmm. gospel. And you think, what does that really mean? What does that look like? Well, here's a practical example of what participating in the gospel is. Mm-hmm. is every creed, race, you know, ethnicity, uh, social platform, all the people of the early church coming together mm-hmm. to be unified in Christ, including the priests, <laughs> oh, yeah. are participating in the gospel, which is showing its triumph. Yeah. It's showing mm-hmm. the world that it is Christ and Christ alone that is bringing the unity to this random oh, crowd yeah. of a couple thousand people who probably had never eaten a meal together, never mind the fact that they see that there's like an oversight and certain people aren't getting fed mm-hmm. and how they solve the problem mm-hmm. through this situation is a triumph. Caleb, and the participation you, of that together is cool. Yeah. You um, had you asked two questions at a certain point in your message. Do I notice unmet needs and how am I participating in the life of the church? And I wrote those two questions down because they really stood out to me. And I know that even um, within any body of believers, but specifically to FBC. We have needs, uh, spiritual needs. We have physical needs. We have financial needs. We have emotional needs. We have relational needs. We all have needs. And God has um, given us one another um, 
for the ministry of his word and his spirit uh, to encourage and build up. And, and I just, I have been thinking about that this week and how just in a few situations, I know of um, several grandparents in our body Mm -hmm. who are raising their grandkids and uh, they have a lot of need. And um, a friend of mine was sharing with me about, um, several years ago, she, this is, she's a grandparent, she's raising her, her grandkids. And, um, she didn't realize how much she was struggling, Mm. but, uh, people around her noticed Mm. and, um, they showed up at her door. They chopped wood for them. Mm. They provided food. They helped clean. It just like, they just stepped in and helped where she had a need. There's another, um, family that I know who has taken in, um, some siblings who need care and, um, they, it's going to be a long-term thing, you know? Mm. And so, uh, there's situations where widows in our body need to be ministered to. And, Mm. um, our community group, um, the ladies, we were looking for something to do a while ago, but we didn't know what to do. So we called the church and we're like, Mm. who, who can we go minister to? And so we were, given a name of a widow. So we went and visited her. And so there's just, there yeah. are so many needs, but do we have eyes to see them? And yeah. are we willing to take that step of faith to go out and and be the hands and feet of Jesus? Well, and, and it's like that oftentimes people won't care how much you know till they know how much you care, right? The opportunity to meet people in needs and, yeah. and do that. I had a lady come up to me after one of the services and, and she said, it it seemed like you you comforted those who needed it and for others, you made them uncomfortable, mm, also yeah. in need. And and the, the church can the church good. can do a, a a better job, maybe. We can always do a better job of, of both of those things so yeah. that it doesn't become a holy huddle, you know, a, a self-help, whatever. And it also doesn't become the, the berating pulpit of discouragement, but it, there's a both and there. And you can realize that, yeah, that is my call. That's my... That's, yes, it's right. It's part of my obedience in the life of mm-hmm. being a believer. And it's not just the church, the quote-unquote church's job or the mm-hmm. leader's job or the pastor's job or those people who are getting paid on staff's right. job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is us coming together and you need to do that. And by yeah. the way, Stephen served and then found out he was gifted. Mm. He didn't He didn't find out he was gifted. He wasn't the it man, and so they chose him to serve. No, he mm-hmm. served. Mm-hmm. And then one verse late where I stopped, where Mark will pick mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Verse 8, and Stephen, full of grace and power, was performing great wonders and signs among the people. Mm-hmm. That's after he decided yes. to serve. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's after the call to serve was demonstrated. Mm-hmm. How often are we waiting until our talent pops up and somebody catches it and then says, oh, you ought to serve? Too many people are wanting to to feel needed before they serve instead of serve in order to feel needed. And we can do that. We can take yeah. that step. It's so funny you say that because we had a major debate in our FBC communication team because Mark Carey brought up a pretty good point. Mm-hmm. Our phrase that we like to now use of grow, connect, and serve. Sure. 
was coming across that that's a step. Those are the ah. steps to take. That you grow, then you connect, then you serve. And Mark's like, eh, it's not always like that. Right. And people started mm -hmm. chiming in and be like, yeah, I served first. Or, oh, I connected. Then I was able to serve. Then I was able to grow. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it, it is meant to be this cyclical wheel that's mm -hmm. never ending. That right, you right, are right. growing, you are connecting, and you are serving. And that's all a part of discipleship making. That's all a mm -hmm. part of being prepared and then being deployed. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, so it, to clarify, it is not a step one, grow, step sure. two, connect, step three, No, I'm serve. glad you said that. Yeah, that, that makes sense. That it is this kind of think of it as a wheel that just keeps mm -hmm. on spinning that whichever one you choose first to do. Right. You know, yeah. you could. there's plenty of stories of people first coming in and seeing follow the star and not coming to church. And then they're like, I want to serve. I'm going to mm -hmm. be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And then they started to connect. And then they started to grow. Right. Mm -hmm. the, the other stories can be people started to grow, and then they're like, "Oh, I need to get connected." It, it, so it's sure. this That's kind good. of yeah. It's yeah, this really cool good. wheel yeah. that like you can think of, not a stepping, not a like, right. Here's it's not step grow, one, two, connect, three. then serve. It's, right. It's all and all exactly. these opportunities, and, and that's I, all part there of the are participation. So there are, and, and I know that's what you're hoping to do, a fellowship family and stuff. There are testimonies all over the map yeah. around here mm -hmm. of people who served first, yep. and there's a, there's a fruitful story of how they grew and connected, vice versa, right? Oftentimes for visitors and, and new people visiting, it's certainly true in Keystone, they connect first, and then there's just all these connections all of a sudden, mm -hmm. and then you narrow down and, and find opportunities to get plugged in, mm -hmm. and you can sense that in, mm -hmm. in somebody. And when you're participating in a church where that is a part of the culture, and it's not something that happens accidentally every a few times a year, but that's what we're about, oh, it's so exciting. Right. It is exciting. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue into huh. what's happening in our body right now. Mark Francis, wow. I'll come your way for any announcements. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot. Obviously, a lot of ministries take a little bit of a break with the season of Christmas and New Year's, so yep. they're all relaunched. So go to the website for that, whether it be biblical training center classes, women in the word, community groups, men's ministries, women's ministries, Keystone, seniors, there is a, a whole world of ministry opportunities to get plugged in. But the biggest thing to highlight is this family ministry, what I would call church-wide focus mm -hmm. of building bridges. And we really first talked about it last week, and you're going to continue to hear about what that looks like. And in this book of Acts, you will consistently see God's power on display, Him at work, the church and then they realize they just can't help but proclaim Christ. Mm. They can't help it. They, they're called to go spread the word of God. And so that's happening here in Acts 6, and it's continued to be on display. So we're going to use that as a launch to say, how are we as a church looking to spread the word? How are we as a church looking to build relationships with people, not lean on the church, not just say, hey, come to church with me, and you might learn something. Mm. People would be scratching their heads and like, that doesn't seem like something I want to do. We're they're, they lean on. I mean, the the spreading the gospel depends on us, not the pastor from the pulpit. Life on life. So how can we continue to build bridges, relationships with people to where they can hear the gospel? Mm -hmm. And it starts with prayer. Yeah. And so this is not just a singular focus that's just one and done for a couple months, then we move on. It is meant to be a culture shift. So go back to last week's Fellowship Family podcast and mm -hmm. hear more the in depth reasonings about how this came to be and what we're looking to do um because it's going to be cool we're just looking to god right now in prayer yeah. to see how that's going to take place there's going to be a prayer walk at the end of this month in january mm -hmm. there are bridge builder cards that are going to be out there each and every week that you can grab there is going to be prayer between services that just if you want to 
just come to the Lord with prayer for our community, for somebody that you know, for just to spark a fire, even if you don't know what to pray for. <laughs> come between mm -hmm. services on Sunday or stay after on Fellowship Saturday. Um, so just that small little window, 1020, 1040 on Sunday mornings or just after the service on Saturday, just go to the hospitality room for prayer. And that's going to hopefully see God infuse something in our body mm -hmm. so then where we then are empowered and emboldened and motivated and encouraged and inspired to go share and proclaim Christ to people that we know need him mm -hmm. and that we know and maybe we haven't been doing a good enough job about that. You know, So how can we have a little kick in the mm. booty yeah. To, yeah. to say, wow, yeah, I need to be more intentional in my conversations with these people. Yeah, mm. that's good. That's good. Well, thank you, Mark. Yep. Thank you, Kayla. Thank you, Alicia. Thank you for Love bringing it. us the word Sunday yeah. and well, and Saturday night as well. Mm -hmm. And um, thank you all for being a part of our conversation. The fact of the matter, guys, is that sermons are not meant to take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until ne next week, much love and God bless.